Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Jamcracker live webcast, how, Jam how Microsoft partners can maximize profits and get to market faster from the Microsoft CSP program. Today, we have a very exciting presentation planned. Before we get started, there are a few housekeeping items I would like to bring to your attention. In the panel to your right, you are able to ask questions at any time, and we encourage you to do so. As part of the presentation today, there will be a live demo of Jamcracker's Cloud Services Enablement Solution, providing a step-by-step -step overview of how to streamline and automate your cloud services delivery with order management, provisioning, and order to cash processes. This webcast is part of our monthly series. Today we have Ash Balgat, Vice President of Product Marketing, and Bob Bellaveau, Director of Sales Engineering, as your presenters. So let's get started, gentlemen. Okay. Thank you, Tony. Hi. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good, doing, good evening, wherever you are based. My name is Ash Palgat. I, uh, uh, I lead product marketing at Jamcracker. And I'm uh, having my colleague here, uh, uh, Bob, who's going to be uh, showing us some exciting demos about the stuff that we're going to talk about today. So I think that today's topic is very interesting, uh, the one we, that I'm really excited about. And it's about Microsoft CSP partners and um, you know, how they can maximize revenue as well as profits. Uh, in the Microsoft CSP program uh, opportunities, as well as how can they add value to the customer's business so that they can differentiate uh, themselves as well as move up the value chain. So it's a pretty loaded agenda, I know that, but there's a lot of interesting stuff that I hope you guys learn from that. And if you have any other questions, uh, you know, um, concerns, do reach out to us. Um, we'll give you some contact information at the end of the webinar. So the agenda I want to touch upon today is, um, first of all, a little bit about the market dynamics, uh, a little bit of what's going on in the, micro, uh, in the general cloud services provider market, what about um, what the end customer needs are, we talk about that a little bit in the market dynamics. We will talk about uh, the CSP, Microsoft CSP program, uh, what are the needs for the partners, and what are the critical success factors that uh, you know, we have learned by engagement with our, our uh, kind of current customer base, uh, which is mainly partners. Um, then we'll dive a little bit into what is Jamcracker, who is Jamcracker, if you guys are not familiar with us, we, we'll talk about that a little bit. Follow that up, I want to touch upon a little bit about our platform called as uh, Jamcracker platform and um, what are its Microsoft CSP enablement capabilities. So we'll talk about that a little bit. It's a pretty rich platform and I'm sure you guys will be really um, excited to learn about it more and then we can follow that further into the demo to show the real capabilities. And then, um, I would wrap it up with a little bit more discussion on uh, how do the part, how can partners move up the value chain because that's I think very important as uh, everybody, all of these partners are looking to resale, what is the differentiation, how can you be really uh, adding more value to your end customer's business that will keep that relationship going. I think that's really the uh, need of this presentation if I can call that. And then finally I would like to summarize with the key takeaways and if any questions we can talk about that. So let's dive into the market dynamics a little bit. Uh, I'm sure most of you folks have seen this chart. It's one of the Gardner uh, charts out there. They did a survey of about 6,700 companies, mostly enterprises, and um, they asked us the questions about what are the kind of cloud services, if any, if the enterprises are consuming. And um, the survey is a little bit dated right now. It was uh, at the end of 2015. I haven't seen the latest one. But what came out of that was about 58% of the enterprises um, are already using some form of cloud. So it could be a you know IaaS cloud, a SaaS cloud, or a SaaS cloud, and it could be a public or private cloud. So there's a lot of different colors to that. And um, the numbers on an aggregate are 58%, but um, <clears throat> uh, you know what we have seen in, in our interaction with um, 
you know, our, our, you know, kind of the end customers through our partners, is that, you know, 80% of these enterprises are currently using cloud services. In fact, we spoke to a few CIOs of these companies, um, and uh, we learned that, you know, cloud has started even before the CIOs knew about it, which is the cloud sprawl phenomena, as we all uh, see today, right? So cloud is everywhere, and it's never to go away. It's going to get just uh, more and more dominant in its adoption going forward in enterprises. Um, one of the things I want to just uh, take attention, kind of, you know, bring your attention to is um, what is happening in the cloud services market now. So one is on the end user side, which we talked about before on enterprises, the cloud uh, adoption is everywhere. But what's happening in the cloud service provider market, especially focused on IS here, um, you can see that from on the left-hand side, there's a, there's a magic quadrant uh, for 2015 about the IS market. On the right-hand side, I have a magic quadrant for 2016 for the IS market. And what you can see is on the, between 2015 to 2016, there were a lot of players basically that were out there. Um, some of them were visionaries. Uh, some of them were kind of niche players. Of course, the market has kind of consolidated and shrunk a little bit in terms of the number of players, not the size, but the number of players, so, which is what you see in 2016. And clearly, there are kind of three leaders in the IS market right now. Um, you know, one is, of course, the AWS, uh, Microsoft being the second uh, in this market, of course, coming in later, but coming strongly, and then Google, uh, computing being the third one. Uh, well, I think what is really clear and kind of uh, pretty interesting here to note is that uh, the Microsoft has caught pretty quickly to uh, AWS in terms of uh, the kind of the cloud capabilities with Azure and uh, the CSP program happens to one of the delivery vehicles. But, you know, the technology-wise and the, um, and the cloud services provider offering-wise, Microsoft has really done a phenomenal job. We were at the WPC last uh, in Toronto uh, in 2016 in, uh, in the fall. And there are about 16,000 people, partners, uh, and communities all over the world who attended that show. Uh, it was a really major show. It was an eye-opener. And uh, I think that was really good to see that Microsoft is gaining so much interest into their technology. So um, I know I'm kind of preaching to, preaching to choir in some sense here. A lot of you folks are already believing in this. That's why you're attending it. Uh, but essentially, what I want to highlight is Microsoft Azure Cloud has now moved closer to AWS. Uh, and given its incumbency in the enterprise market uh, in terms of what it can do with uh, our enterprise applications and productivity suites, uh, it really has a great shot at really being a leader very soon. Uh, I, I, we, we will, it's to be seen, but that's, I think the, the indications are it's going to be a pretty close race. Um, now, one thing that just recently was uh, discussed by 451 Research um, was about 2017 prediction. And this was interesting, so I brought it up here as well. Um, you know, they said that, you know, in 2017, you will see a AWS plus one cloud strategy by most of your end customers. And what that means is it's not going to be just one uh, one vendor where uh, the enterprises will uh, kind of gravitate towards. It will be at least two. And why that is necessary is because you don't want to be locked in one vendor. Uh, you want to keep a multi-cloud strategy, a hybrid cloud strategy, so that you're not at mercy of just one, one uh, particular provider, uh, especially because it's getting so much adoption and trying to get in and becoming uh, kind of business critical, um, the cloud adoption I was talking about. So essentially, um, the growth in hybrid cloud will also lead to the widespread use of brokerages. Brokerage is particularly uh, the kind of the term we use when you have to, um, you know, uh, allow multiple uh, cloud access to a common single platform as something that we do at Jamcracker. Uh, and that will be kind of a key cornerstone technology required for a lot of these partners or the end customers who would be deploying cloud and want a multi-cloud or hybrid cloud strategy. But just something that we should keep in mind uh, as, as we see the market evolving on, on this side of things. Um, so having talked about the market dynamics a little bit, let, let me touch base a little bit about what is Microsoft's um, CSP program at a very high level, and I'm sure you folks know this. 
Um, <clears throat> but let's talk about some of the what is the program like, what are the needs for the partners, and then uh, what are the critical success factors uh, that will help you succeed in this market. So I'm sure you folks have seen this chart again at, at, at Microsoft and other places. Um, um, you know, this is basically the uh, the chart here in the middle is basically the Microsoft CSP cloud solution provider uh, go to market um, kind of uh, slide, right? Which basically talks about uh, Microsoft wants to sell this through direct partners who are basically uh, you know one tier partners, basically like MSPs aside. Uh, who want to sell directly to the end customer, um, right? And Microsoft sells through the direct partner in that case. So there's also another channel uh, that Microsoft has, which is indirect channel, which is um, indirect partner channel, which is uh, through a distributor, which will be selling to a reseller, and the reseller will basically have the end customer relationship. So those are the two vehicles to take um, the Microsoft Cloud services to the market, uh, to the end customer. And I think a uh, few things that are very important, I think, you know, Microsoft called it out very clearly as to what is what is it that they're looking for as a cloud provider, or the cloud provider, cloud uh, Microsoft CSP partners to do, um, and that's at the very top here. It's, it's a little small font here. I apologize for that, but essentially it says uh, own and control the billing. So you have to be, be able to do that for your end customers. Um, Sales combine offers and services. So you should be able to combine different offers and services together and bundle it up. And lastly, but not not um, uh, it's of great importance that is uh, directly provision, manage, and support your customers. So those are kind of three cornerstones of what you definitely have to do in order to uh, be a Microsoft partner. And some of the requirements in terms of what you have to be able to do in these areas dictate where you can be working with with uh, Microsoft as a tier one partner, tier two partner, etc. And then um, one of the things at the bottom of the chart I want to highlight here is like Microsoft will provide you cloud services. While the partners will add on their own managed services and IP, and that's I think very critical uh, from the stuff that we talked initially about. Um, you know, you do provide provisioning, billing, support, but also remember that you have to add value to managed services. I think that's the new paradigm of what you can do uh, with your customer uh, through relationships, um, and the third-party IP that you can sell to the customers in addition to what Microsoft already brings to you uh, as part of the reselling agreement. So let's talk about some of the needs in that sense. Now that we talked about Microsoft's CSP partner program, uh, what are the, some of the needs for these partners in order to be able to meet Microsoft, uh, you, know, you know, kind of requirements for the CSP program? So one of the things is the multi-tier and multi-channel marketplace, and what that means is you should be able to, um, uh, you know, create white-label marketplaces. If you are a multi-tier uh, kind of a partner, maybe a resellers who are doing that, uh, they may need a reseller store of their own that they can offer to the end customer. But let's say if you are a tier one partner like an MSP or a SI, uh, a, a DMR, you may want to think about uh, you know creating a white table store for each of your enterprise customers, right? Uh, and it probably just makes sense from a better user experience perspective. Uh, you may want to enable your resellers if you are selling to the resellers. You want to sell, provision, build uh, Microsoft and non-Microsoft cloud services if that's what you're looking at doing, um, or you can do it through the white label uh, kind of stores for your resellers. I think we talked about that a little bit before. Uh, cloud billing and settlement is very important. So on one side, you get Microsoft billing you on aggregate, but you have to make sure that you are breaking down that bill uh, for each customer on the demand side of it. Uh, but also, not just that, you may have to worry about how do I consolidate all of the billing for, for all of the different services that you're consuming from Microsoft, and then how do you provide a single bill, a unified consolidated bill to your end customer so they can see what all they have consumed and how much they are paying for it. So um, that's one aspect of billing. And then settlement between what uh, you consume from Microsoft to what you sell through to your, to your end customers and making sure that's reconciling. So that settlement report is kind of also an important thing uh, to consider. 
self-service uh, is very important. Um, you know, your end customers are not going to need a on-demand consumption going forward. There are no more uh, fixed pack shipping or provisioning by doing things. A lot of things are shifting to cloud where things just are getting on-demand manner. So uh, consumption is on-demand. So self-service is going to be very important for your customer. Value-added services, we touched upon that a little bit before. We talked about third-party services, if you can sell along with Microsoft, management of your Microsoft and non-Microsoft services, and that means that uh, you have to be able to manage it as a life cycle, not just as a point uh, service, but entire life cycle across all of your different services that are visible to your end customer. You should be able to uh, manage that from a single pane of glass. Um, Cross-sell and upsell opportunities, uh, again, if you have subscription for certain Microsoft services, can you sell them other services that are in the CSP program, or can you sell them complementary services that are um, outside of the CSP program, but that might be value-added. Um, time to market is another important need, uh, as we learned uh, from our partners, is that you, know, you, you want to be able to roll out marketplaces within days, a um, few days, and not, not months. Um, and also a new web front or a storefront for your customers in a few hours um, if you can do that because that's where your time to market will be really a competitive differentiation. Um, and a global rollout of your CSP service. This is especially true for European partners who may have a lot of different geographies and different countries to cover, may having different language, different currencies, taxation environment. All of that is critical for your end customers. So you've got to be able to have those capabilities you know, offering the service to your end customer. So having talked about uh, overall what, what the needs are for Microsoft partners, uh, CSP partners, let's talk about some of the critical success factors as we have learned from uh, a few partners that we uh, have been talking to very intimately. And we see that you know, in order to really succeed in the CSP market, these are the few things that you definitely have to have. Right? And some of them will go back to what Microsoft is expecting, but some of these are real-time learnings, kind of real learnings from uh, the people who have tried this before and have changed paths based on where they fell short before, but then finally came to the point where they knew that they're, they're hitting it now. So uh, one of the things is faster go-to-market. We talked about that. You have to accelerate the rollout of your cloud marketplace in a matter of days. Uh, you cannot be, uh, you know, there's no more time basically available where you can roll out something and then, you know, after a few months and then your, your, your computers would have already had something to offer to your, to your customers. Um, in fact, um, Microsoft just recently added um, a API for allowing an end customer to be able to talk to multiple resellers. Uh, and what that means is, like, if they can derive value from a couple of resellers, um, although those might be coming through different distribution channels or could be, you know, even tier one partners, that's allowed because at the end of the day, Microsoft wants customers to win. And um, in that sense, you have to be really uh, up and running quickly in the market with respect to what you want to bring to these customers uh, or you're going to be leaving money on the table. Um, single pane of glass, we talked about that from a management standpoint, operation standpoint, governance standpoint of your cloud uh, services, and that's going to be important for your customers from managing all of the subscription or orders, right, or usage-based, uh, uh, you know, paradigms of entitlement for your, for your services, uh, billing and settlement uh, for all of these different services, uh, as well as providing the support, uh, knowing where the issues are, being able to raise the tickets, uh, being able to respond to those, uh, having different channels of sales, for example, uh, through chats and, uh, you know, um, and things of that nature. All of those are different ways that you want to be able to uh, kind of support your your customers or your channels. Uh, and that's something that you, you need in order to be really agile in this particular business. Uh, bundle Core and um, uh, Bundle Core and Microsoft CSP services, that's another one 
uh, where we talk about you know Microsoft encourages that uh, thing that you do not want to just be selling Microsoft services but also third-party IP and ISV stuff. So definitely have that capability to increase your ARPU, uh, average revenue per user. Um, address multiple business line segments. This is something that we see uh, with some of our customers where they have not just been talking about one particular segment in the market. Um, uh, you know, they have they have they're going after enterprise customers um, as a high end kind of high end market basically for them. But and where they might spin up white label, uh, you know, web web print or a storefront or a web store for this kind of, for these customers. But they might also have SMB presence by providing a reseller kind of a store where everything is in one place and you don't have dedicated, um, you know, storefront. So all of that stuff you may have to decide as to what what market segment you're going after, and is this the right market for you or not? Um, so having said that, let me shift the gears a little bit now um, and talk about Jamcracker a little bit and what MSP Microsoft uh, CSP enablement capabilities we have. So folks who don't know us, we are a uh, we have been. Jamcracker is a, uh, we, found, we were founded in 1999 by um, our senior entrepreneur, um, who, uh, KB who started the company. And um, we started our early days were more on the ASP application service provider market where we, where we did the aggregation and billing and things of that nature uh, to provide a lot of aggregated uh, ASP services to, to, the, uh, to, to the channel, so to the go-to-market partner. Uh, what had happened is in the last 15, 16 years, what we've seen is the market, of course, has evolved from where we began, and now it's has become cloud services. So the SaaS, SaaS, ICE, this is kind of the new reality of consumption of the services uh, in a public sense or a private sense. And I think that's where I think our strategy also marked as we moved along with the market, and we are now uh, unifying multi-cloud, hybrid cloud services for management and delivery. Uh, we do this end-to-end -end, uh, in a live services um, kind of management fashion. Uh, and, and essentially, we combine two technology markets uh, that Gartner calls out, calls cloud services brokerage, and cloud management platform. Uh, the cloud services brokerage traditionally focused more on the SaaS side of things, and cloud management platform is focused more on the IS side of things. And anything in between is basically covered. Um, we also call something called the XaaS, which is uh, a market that is still not completely invented, but it could be things such as network as a service, such as DNNFE, um, or database as a service, storage as a service, um, pretty much all of these things that are upcoming those are also something that um, you know we can. Uh, the platform is flexible enough to be able to consume anything as a service in that sense. Uh, we were joking around the other day that we can order pizzas from this platform if you want to kind of order pizzas as a service. Um, but leaving that aside, so um, Jamcracker basically, uh, as we're a Gartner cool vendor. Um, you know, we have some great customers as you can see here. This is a sample uh, names of the customer. We have tier one customers, tier two customers. For example, first distribution is our tier two customer. Uh, it's a gold partner, a Microsoft gold partner, and they have presence in South Africa uh, in other regions too. Um, and then there's companies like SCC, which is our tier one, um, you know, company out of uh, Europe, UK, and they have um, they have uh, you know they, they service large enterprises, um, and they are an MSP kind of they're going to MSP model. Uh, there's companies like Telecom Malaysia, which is a tier one telco out of Malaysia in Asia. And then they are also doing uh, both SMB and um, uh, enterprise uh, um, stores for the customers. So it's, it's, the landscape is kind of varied here, but I think uh, we have kind of goods or and, and the products and services that we can offer for both uh, tier one and tier two kind of or direct or indirect Microsoft CSP partners. A um, little bit about our credibility in the market. Uh, if you've seen Daryl Plummer, is the chief analyst at uh, Gardner, who covers um, cloud services brokerage market at length. And uh, he has given some good, great kudos to Jamcracker team here. Uh, he talks about Jamcracker enables providers, partners, enterprises 
to interact and deliver robust cloud services. So that's pretty much where we, we came from and we've been kind of at it at this mission. And enterprises, service providers, cloud, cloud providers can simplify a complex solution with a single uh, service network approach from um, Jamcracker. So the platform is called a Jamcracker Services Delivery Network. It's basically, a, it means that you can deliver all of your cloud services in a single, um, you know, under a single roof. Um, and you might have a lot of complex situations such as maybe multi-tier uh, or multi-tenancy requirements, uh, just to as a name one, or maybe billing comp complex billing requirements. And all of that um, have been something that we already built into uh, into our into our uh, platform. There's probably not a scenario that we haven't covered because we have worked with so many different customers and so many different complexities over a period of time. A uh, quick uh, snapshot into what the architecture of the platform looks like. This is very high-level architecture. We're talking 40,000 feet here. And uh, without spending too much time and drilling into each of the details of this, uh, essentially what we have is a platform that's kind of built into two kind of key layers, if I can call that. One is a services delivery layer, um, where we actually look at how do we deliver the service, um, and then second is service management layer. Uh, in the services delivery side of things, we talk about a catalog management, where you'll have a catalog with all the services listed in it. Uh, you have administrative controls on what services can be listed for whom. Um, you can pick and choose, uh, if you have multiple stores, which services will be seen in which stores. And all of that is something that is already built into, um, into the catalog management. Um, and some of the things can also tie into the um, service and user administration here with respect to, let's say, if you have a role-based access control tied into that, you can say, okay, as a, as a particular role, uh, I can only do certain things in this catalog management versus not others. Uh, you can also do that on the user side, depending on what user's credentials are or what his uh, you know, uh, profile is. Let's say he's a sales uh, person or a HR person or a engineering person, what services and what, uh, what different cloud services are exposed to those users. So all of that is kind of covered as part of the catalog and user uh, service administration pieces. Uh, you can do sales service fulfillment, which means that you can uh, consume all of the services on demand. There's no need to be uh, calling anybody uh, unless you choose, you choose to get some support on it. Um, there's authentication, authorization, access control uh, to an identity platform. We have multiple identity platform options, such as um, access, you know, AD, uh, Active Directory, Active Directory Federation Service from Microsoft, um, uh, LDP, um, sorry, LDAP. Uh, we have uh, SAML, uh, we have Red Hat uh, Directory, Octa, uh, name it, and we, we pretty much have everything covered in that sense. Uh, we have a very robust reporting engine with 50 plus reports already built in. We have custom reporting engine where you can build uh, from the data marts, you can build whatever custom report you want. Um, you have budgeting, mirroring, chargeback, all the different mechanisms of how you can uh, see where the cost for the particular usage for cloud services. You have help desk ticketing um, already built into the product. Now, you can always integrate all of these things outside of the platform into existing systems, too. So if you have Remedy for ticketing, we can we have integration with Remedy. Uh, if you're talking about uh, some billing system, billing field systems, um, be the SAPs or ERP systems, we can do that. Uh, we've already done that for some customers. So there's a lot of stuff that's on the sidebars here as the integration toolkit um, that we can uh, easily integrate to for certain, uh, you know, as, as the requirements might be. Uh, on the service management side, there's a little bit more on the IS capabilities here. The, the one on the service delivery, I was talking more on the uh, on the SaaS side of things, although there's some common functions there too for IS. But on the service management side, the key things to remember there are, you know, as service management for IS, you're consuming it as usage and not as subscription. So the uh, usage metering becomes important there. Usage analytics become important for governance. Uh, resource management becomes important for day-to-day -day policy management. 
and then orchestration in order to build um, your uh, stacks for IS um, right from this particular platform is something you can do easily uh, if you have to do that. But that's not a requirement. You can always import uh, existing uh, virtual machines that might be spinning up in uh, in the clouds uh, of choice, and then bring it over and start governing that uh, those clouds through Jamcrackle platform. Um, about the CSP integration part, I want to talk a little bit about that. So specifically, we talked about, we talked about the, the platform in general. Let's talk about what do we provide um, to the Microsoft CSP uh, partners uh, from Jamcrackle platform as part of the integration that we did with Microsoft APIs. Um, so essentially, we have 40-plus pre-integrated, out-of-the-box Microsoft CSP cloud services. Um, now, these are all different SKUs. So but the, in, in a, in a, in a, at a very high level, basically, there are Office 365 SKUs, dynamic SKUs, EMS SKUs, um, exchange SKUs, et cetera. So all of this is part of the uh, CSP integration that we've done. Uh, on the left-hand side, you see a screenshot. This is from an actual customer, first distribution, where they have a store running right now with all these different Microsoft services. Uh, you have Exchange, Office 365, uh, Skype, uh, OneDrive project, et cetera, et cetera. All of these are already available, uh, and they're trying to sell this to the resellers right now. Um, you have multi-tiered, multi-tenant marketplaces. We talked about that as it, as it will be applicable in this particular case, uh, but also can be done for one-tier or direct uh, uh, CSP partners where you may want to create a storefront for your enterprise customer to give them a better user experience. Um, you have Microsoft CSP services provisioning that is automated fully. Um, so just single click to your sign on and your user gets access to all the services right away. Um, single sign on is tied to Active Directory, ADFS for easy access. There are other options that I talked about. We can do billing and settlement for all of these different services. You can have a single consolidated bill. Uh, you can have the settlement reports to compare, um, kind of repeating myself a little bit here, with respect to what has been consumed to what has been uh, supplied. Um, and then localization rate. So if you're looking at a platform that needs to be uh, available for different languages, currencies, taxation codes, et cetera, uh, you have this already done because we have customers out of Europe uh, who frequently need this, but we have it all globalized right now for uh, Asia, PAC, uh, North America, and Europe. On the Azure side of things, um, what is integration there? I think uh, you probably have seen some of the names here, the Crest, ARM, Graph APIs that are available from Microsoft. We have integrated um, the, all of this functionality into, into Jamcracker. Um, we, are, we have a Microsoft Developer Network uh, agreement, basically, where we get access to all these APIs. We get informed about any changes to the APIs, so we keep in sync with Microsoft on those. And essentially, what you have is um, APIs to manage uh, automated Azure cloud provisioning, um, cloud governance in terms of really showing the visibility for the cloud. So that would mean dashboards for your what VMs you're running, uh, what volumes you're running, um, what is the utilization at any point in time, what is the capacity, are there any health monitoring issues, et cetera. So all of that is part of governance uh, that you can easily see. You have interactive charts to do that, you have reports, uh, you have analytics data that you can look into. All of that is part of governance. Uh, for the cloud. And uh, then cost management is another angle which is important where you can see that uh, what is the cost or what is the what is the bill that's coming out and uh, for using these resources in Azure Cloud and how can you manage them more optimally. So you can say, okay, I get a visibility that I know I my bill for monthly bill for Azure is you know thousand dollars and say, okay, where is that been spent? Uh, are you spending it optimally? Are you maybe uh, wasting some of the resources when you don't need them? As an example, you might want to apply a policy for uh, cost management, something along the lines of curtail the, the, the usage uh, when it's not being used, right? Curtail the waste by, uh, you know, shortening anything that is being not used. Uh, shut off those VMs at certain times, turn them on when they're going to be needed, 
things of that nature. So those are the policies that you can do. Uh, so the platform, you have billing, of course, and settlement, and then custom pricing and revenue maximization, which means you can create different pricing or literally price books for different customers. So what that means is if you, are, you have different kind of customers based on what services they want, how much they order, you may not want to stick to the same pricing that Microsoft offers you. You can mark up your your uh, your, your kind of the the, the rates for whatever um, the resources usage resource usage, and then you can offer that to uh, to maximize uh, your revenue uh, revenues on your side, but also make sure you're fair to the customers who are who you're servicing or you're kind of providing um, uh, services to. And then finally, uh, offer a very superior customer experience. You know, with with Jam Cracker platform. With our Azure integration, Office 365 integration, uh, you can get a very seamless integration across all of the Microsoft technologies under a single pane of glass. Um, have a single marketplace or multiple marketplaces and, and a self-service experience. So that's kind of talking about the platform and the Microsoft CSP capabilities. Um, one of the key things I also want to touch upon here is the billing capabilities because that's something that Microsoft expects partners to be able to do on their own. And this is really the beauty of Jamcracker platform that the billing is so rich in so many different ways that you have so many different options to do. Right? As you can see, um, for just a billing models-wise, you can do um, a subscription-based model if you're, if you're consuming a service like Office 365 or Dynamics or, or EMS. Um, those are all subscription-based because they're tied to a user. Whereas uh, you might have things as Azure that are all based usage-based. So you might have different billing models in this case one is tied to subscription, one is tied to usage, and we support both those billing models. Uh, you can do one-time billing, you can do hybrid of this, you know, different billing options that you got, depending on what you want, right? So all of these are different options we baked in already into the product, so it's useful. Uh, you may want to offer volume-based pricing. I was talking about the tier pricing before, so let's say you have somebody's consuming, you know, 10,000, uh, let's say, um, out of let's say for the CSP program, 500 devices or licenses. If somebody's consuming only 50 licenses, let's say the 500 licenses. There might be different pricing you may want to offer based on the volume. You're, you're trying to incentivize more volume to uh, upsell, for example, if you want to do that. That's part of the your, your pricing strategy. Uh, you may have historical volume discounts. You may see that, hey, this customer is asking, uh, you know, ordering a lot more from me. I would rather offer him some discount. Uh, that's, that's an option. Um, you have uh, things such as uh, promotions. So you can talk about, hey, I want to create a 30-day trial promotion, um, offer these particular new services that I have in the catalog, and let them run for 30 days, and if you are satisfied, then you buy, try and buy kind of model. Um, so that's something that you can offer easily. Uh, you can offer preferential pricing. So you can do, uh, you know, based on the customer type, partner type, you can have different prices for different uh, geographies or different types of partners. All of that can be easily managed through uh, our, our billing uh, module. Uh, and finally, not, not uh, the most important is the payment type. You can do different kind of payment, um, payment options. Uh, you can invoice your customers. Uh, you can do credit debit cards uh, if you want to have that. As a, you can have prepaid uh, accounts that I didn't list here. Uh, if you have some prepaid credits, or you can have mobile. Um, that's the latest mobile kind of wallet kind of thing, uh, kind of option. There's a lot of different options here from a billing and payment standpoint. So having said that, now um, I talked about a lot of different products and a lot of different capabilities. I want to switch the gears a little bit and uh, hand off uh, Bob to show some of these capabilities real time so that uh, you, you folks just see that what I talked is not just uh, a lot of slide wear, but actually stuff that you can see in action. So Bob, take it away. Take it away. Okay, very good. Give me a moment here while I share my screen. 
And, <clears throat> you know, keeping with the theme of maximizing profits and getting to market faster, I want to first start with talking about maximizing profits. And, and really that gets down to differentiating yourself, adding value so you can get those extra profits, right? And, you know, looking at um, how do you accomplish that, you, you offer a variety of services that, um, while it's important to have all of the, the Microsoft offerings available, um, you want to be able to package those up different ways, uh, maybe combining it with some of your professional services, um, or, or even, you know, if you look at infrastructure as a service offerings, instead of just providing access to Azure or, or other clouds like AWS, et cetera, um, you want to, to be able to um, create some, I guess you call them value-added or, or, or really best practices templates um, for your clients. So maybe you have, your company has some expertise in security. And, and what you'd like to do is, you know, as a value-add to your client, um, <clears throat> provide templates that have may, maybe hardened Apache um, configuration. Um, or, or other policies related to security with, with some base templates so that your customers can get started from a place instead of just a generic operating system, they can get started with something um, that's already been hardened. And so the point here is that you, you really want to have a variety of service offerings, whether they're singularly offered um, as a software as a service like Averware or uh, Office 365 or SharePoint. Um, but then also infrastructure as a service offerings, obviously, you know, um, the major cloud providers like Amazon, Azure, uh, even private cloud, you know, VMware, OpenStack, CloudStack, those sorts of things. Um, but then you want to be able to bundle them together, such as this one here, a Microsoft 365 bundle, where I just created the sample bundle where you're not only getting Office 365, but you're getting an Office 365 migration. Um, this could be something that talks about, uh, you know, uh, migrating from and on, on-premise exchange implementation um, to, to Office 365. And so, you know, having the ability to do that and having, um, you know, different offers per service. So you might want to, <clears throat> actually that's not a good example here. Let's find Mobility Suite is a good one. So, you know, for each of these services, uh, you could have <clears throat> potentially multiple um, offerings for that service. In this case, I have only one, it's EMS E3, but there's also an E5 package that could appear here as a different price. Um, so whether you want to change the terms, maybe it's um, having a monthly price or an annual price, or if you want to actually have different feature sets like the E3 versus E5 uh, enterprise mobility suite, um, creating catalog items for each of those, or maybe a single catalog item with different options, um, making it easy for your customers to see that is, is important. So being able to bundle things together, offer a variety of services, maybe, you know, just professional services offering, um, those are the types of things you need. You know, your catalog needs to be varied, it needs to be differentiated, you need to include your services um, and any expertise you have, such as in security um, or mobile or those sorts of things. If you get a really large catalog, it's obviously important to have catalog uh, abilities like, you know, being able to search for items. And, and categorize things by a certain type of product or by the provider. Those are all important um, in the catalog. Right? And, and, you know, not only the, the product offerings that you have, but whether it's one-time charges, um, like, a, you know, a migration might be a one-time charge, but you want to have some ongoing charges for an Office 365 subscription, 
need to be able to handle all those different sorts of billing models. Could be usage-based with Azure, um, uh, you know, VMs and, and data transfer on Azure for, that you know gets charged, but based on usage, or it could have you know per license base, um, like Office 365 user licenses. You need that flexibility in catalog. Um, the Jim Cranker platform certainly has that, and we've had that for a long time. Um, you know, another way to differentiate yourself <clears throat> um, and to really provide some value. I think one of the things we hear about a lot is identity management and, and being able to federate to different systems. Um, in a large enterprise, obviously, governing the services that you have requires you to have a good identity framework so that um, you have one place where you're managing your users and you don't have to do it in 30 different systems. And so tying into identity management systems is important. As I switch over here to our more of our back end where we would go and things like set up um, the different services and, and the different portals, or as you call member management in the stores. I'll take a look here at one of those stores or portal storefronts where um, you, know, you have the capability to brand these and white label those that Ash had mentioned earlier and change a lot of settings including what's available in the store, um, what are the different policies um, in that store, but you know, looking at, for instance, um, identity management, as I was mentioning, um, you, can, you can enable that and whether you want to um, sync with Active Directory um, or use a SAML-based approach, you know, for more of a federated service like this ADFS um, or Okta or others, um, we have the capability of doing that. So, you know, here if I enable AD, I could enable all the different parameters to allow that, um, do the mapping to make sure I know what, uh, what groups or, or, or attributes in Active Directory get mapped to what in GeoCracker. You have the ability to do that on a, you know, on a per-organization basis. Here I'm looking at a store that's set up for an individual organization. Obviously, you'll need to attach into their active directory. Um, and, and there are various options, too, since you're going to be generally outside of their firewall. There's going to be some uh, things to be concerned that there with security. So we would deploy a, a, a Jade agent, which basically uh, avoids the active directory uh, firewall ports being open, but actually using a, a custom uh, agent that would, would um, stream that in a more secure fashion. So, you know, identity management at each store level um, is important. It allows you to not only come in and access um, the, the services within the store, it could be something that, you know, they're using, um, you know, just generically for their organization. They come in, they sign into the PC, they single sign on, and now they have access to everything, whether it's cloud services um, or other network features they have, other local resources. Could be you know signing into some of the services that they have, maybe launching Office 365 remotely. Um, whether you're and there's a lot of I'm not saying whether there are a lot of different ways this can be sliced and diced uh, with Active Directory and federating. You know who's the identity provider? Jamcracker could be that. It could be somebody else. Um, single signing on is important. So there's a lot of flexibility in our platform supporting various identity models. Um, regardless of the protocols in use, you know, whether it's SAML or even OAuth, it really doesn't matter. Um, identity management and being flexible on that is very important and is one way you can help um, differentiate yourself. Now looking at, <clears throat> you know, if you're trying to bring clients in um, and, and win them over, you oftentimes are going to be dealing with clients who already have some Azure virtual machines out there or you know, Amazon, or even their own VMware, again. And so you need to be able to support those brownfield situations. 
as well as the greenfield ones where you know it's a company that's just coming up for the first time they don't maybe don't have any cloud uh, accounts you need to be able to support both both uh, methods so either you just you know create an account in here and, and enter that information or you can go and you know import resources from um, any of those cloud providers so here's you know an example of of uh, one way that we can import um, uh, virtual machines as an example here it brings up basically an Excel template we can fill out the information determining what you want to import and then basically you upload that into the platform and it would then appear you know basically those those instances would appear in the infrastructure as a service single pane of glass dashboard for all the vendors Azure AWS OpenStack whatever it is um, you can see whether it was something that was imported or not and you can then bring them under management to get all of the um, the operation control you need, managing volumes, networks, etc. Okay, um, so importing, you know, when you think, I, I think it's very important to make sure that you're addressing those brownfield situations. Because oftentimes customers don't feel the pain until they feel the pain, right? They have to actually have to have too many cloud services and, and machine, virtual machines and multiple clouds before they start to want to address that pain by calling on someone like you. And so being able to handle those brownfields is very important. Um, looking at additional managed services you can offer. So, you know, this here is a storefront. This could be something that you allow your customers uh, to access directly, or maybe as a as part of a managed service. This is more of your control panel where you're coming through and doing things on their behalf. Um, maybe the, those customers would find some um, value, and for only certain users um, to be able to see certain. Um, catalog items, maybe you know, financing something different from from sales, for instance. Here we have the ability to find multiple departments. In this demo, I only have one, but with each of, of the departments, there you can you know view the details and see what are the services that are available um, to that department, and you know maybe add or remove them as needed, so that you can guarantee the right groups of people are able to see the right things in the catalog. That's sort of a, what I call a catalog policy. And these are all, as you can tell, they're going to be unique. So this could be, you know, company A. It could be your other client, company B, has a similar screen, but they have a completely different set of departments um, and catalogs around that. You know, you'd expose a master catalog to those stores, and then for each of those stores, you pick from that master catalog what you want to bring in, and then within that set, you then can break that down into what can each department see. That's, I think, an important uh, functionality you need to have. Um, you can also have various policies around, um, you know, let's look at a cost-saving policy. Maybe you, um, your client is spending a lot on Azure and they do a lot of dev tests in the cloud. And, you know, on weekends, dev test really isn't working. Maybe that's you know, the scenario so that um, one way to save a pretty good amount of money is uh, to turn off any machines that are uh, dev test related on Fridays and turn them back on Monday. So uh, with the policy engine that like we have in our platform here, you can do that. Basically add a new policy, give it a name and a description, and then pick um, the set of policy for any instances. So filter by here, this is important, giving you the ability to select only those virtual machines um, that you want to, to, to affect. This could be a tag that says, you know, type equals dev test, whatever you like. You can standardize on whatever values you like, enter those filtering criteria, and then choose at that point to do um, a calendar policy that would happen, you know, as an example, maybe weekly on a Friday. Let's scroll down here. Friday, maybe at 4 p.m., 
a good time go and you know maybe stop the server right and then also maybe send an email notification if you like um, you can also then create you know an additional policy for on Mondays to to turn those back on okay? so you can see that um, some other value add you could be bringing to is um, helping to automatically um, resize the applications that might they might have deployed in Azure um, or other clouds and so you know using an instance monitoring capability either with our onboard and, and included uh, monitoring engine or with your own or with even the client's own um, and if you use an external monitoring you just use some APIs to do this but using our platform with the in, in embedded one um, basically you take an event like maybe when the memory utilization goes above 80 percent for five samples in 10 minutes um, then you want to maybe increase uh, scale up ramp and if it goes you know below for a certain amount of time you can scale it back down and so being able to dynamically resize whether it's scale up and increasing the size of the machine in some way um, or scale out basically adding machines to the clusters both of those are available um, with policy uh, with the po policies that we have in our platform looking further at some of that um, some of the, the governance capabilities and some of the value add you can bring around helping to make sure that the client is spending the money wisely um, and really getting visibility into what they're spending on again in a unified format not having to go to five different cloud providers and, and get a report from each one and try to correlate it all but having one specific dashboard like this IF dashboard here we can see the overall cloud expenses over whatever period you like you use different attributes if you like get your current and estimated usage for the month and then look at maybe top five instances top five products those sorts of things get a view of what's actually running get some more detailed um, usage data from um, any particular vendor you like having the ability to you know to get that those sorts of analytics around what they're deploying um, and how they're being used what's popular and what's not um, I think can be very valuable when it comes to you know some governance and, and cost management there all right so let's take a look now we'll go back to our back end and take a look at you know more of the the, the back-end business aspects that you as an MSP care about you know, you're reselling services. Sometimes you're just selling your own. Um, you need to have the the, the pricing um, support to to identify what are your costs, what are the wholesale prices. Um, if there's a minimum retail price you need to set, what is that? Um, and then what are the actual sale price? And so, taking a look at the different services, um, let me find one here. Maybe this uh, Dynamics 365. I'll take a quick look. Um, in, in addition to all the sort of marketing and the descriptions um, of, of how you want to create the catalog, you can look at the different offers that are available. And then you know, we'll take a look at this first one here, the dynamics. And say, okay, this could be, you know, with each of, each of the products, it could be different pricing models. It depends on the, the vendor and it depends on how you want to offer it. You pay as you go, pay per user. It could be a month to month subscription or a term subscription, you know, the minimum term, those sorts of things. And then here's where we get into the pricing information. In this case, it's per price per user. There's a minimum quantity of 500, um, and you can look at, you know, it's paid monthly. Could be, you know, other periods if you like. Is there a setup fee involved? Do I prorate on that first month? These are all important controls to have um, when you try to define the pricing and understand your costs. Then you can look at 
the cost from the vendor. Maybe this costs per user $50, um, but then you want to offer that out to the different portals or stores. Um, offer to them at $60, maybe you charge $68 in their retail. <clears throat> and then the store owner themselves or the person controlling that portal can then define what are the actual prices. Maybe they need to um, charge an uplift to handle some overhead or maybe they just take, you know, whatever the minimum price they're allowed to take. You have the ability to define the different tiers of pricing. Um, you know, there's, there's these single prices, there's these sort of the default prices that you would have um, for those services. But if you also want to have special prices made with special contracts for different clients, you can do that by basically picking out here. In this case, it's called the reseller. These labels can easily change. Uh, but it could be another portal, another client. You pick them, and then you go and set the slightly different prices for that client because they have a different contract. Right? So that's really, we'll talk about custom price books or custom line cards. There's definitely some capabilities to do that. Uh, promotions, maybe you, you want to have um, you know, a free 30-day trial, something that either automatically gets purchased at the end or terminates various support around adding different types of promotions and trials. Um, it's important to have that built in. Order management functionality, obviously. Um, if there's different types of orders, you want to, to fulfill part of it. Maybe it's a bundle and, and takes some time to deliver one part. Maybe it's a hardware um, delivery. You need to be able to, to, to manage those orders. Um, maybe even supply some discounts, those sorts of things. Those are all um, important. When you look at um, what what you need to do on on a, an ongoing business basis, regardless of the services you're selling, you need to understand um, you know who to pay and what to collect from everybody, right? And so, if you're doing things with credit cards, that's obviously going to be you know what you're going to be collecting from the clients is going to be handled through that merchant account. Uh, but if you have PO-based solutions, you know you you have a pre-approved credit. Um, an agreement with your clients. You need to be able to handle that. You need to know what um, you need to be collecting from them uh, on that monthly basis or quarterly basis, whatever it may be. So running a settlement report is, is one way to help us understand everything from suits and up. What were our costs um, and what did we charge the clients So what do we um, get back for that? So if I go ahead and run this report here quickly, um, we'll basically get a settlement report in a CSV format that's going to show us um, the different costs involved at the different levels, um, where they were purchased, etc. Now, this is one report that we use um, to be able to um, bring that out. And whoops, there we go. It's a little bit slow. So, looking at some of the data you get in this report is, you know, what is the store? What is the storefront? Um, the re any resellers involved? Who's the actual customer? Order number, invoice number, the date. <clears throat> what the invoice amount was, etc. And you you have this. You have a ton of data in here. Right, so you can really provide any um, financial analysis, sort of different ways, group things so that you know you know that Averaware um, needs to to you know be repaid a certain amount. You can look at the retail pricing, any taxes involved, um, you can look at wholesale amounts, etc. So these settlement reports are, are ways to help you manage your business, manage the supply chain, and the costs involved there. Um, the last thing I'd like to show, I'm going to hand this back to, to Ash really quickly, is you know, at the store level, if you have the clients going and using this themselves, they can also get a look at what their, their chargeback are. And this is really some of the value you're bringing, right? You're bringing a unified bill. Um, they could be purchasing things from Microsoft. They could be purchasing things um, from other vendors, Amazon, um, Everywhere, Mozi, et cetera. Um, 
you have the ability to show invoices within the platform. Um, if you just want to use our invoice system, that's great. You have the ability to show these sort of multi-vendor um, single bills, regardless of however many services, whether they're um, software as a service with a recurring payment fee or a usage-based service like Azure or Amazon. Um, you can do that with the with the chargebacks or invoices functionality within our platform. But that's not the only way to do it. If um, you already have a, an advanced billing system and you want to get big daily bill feeds to that, that's certainly something you can do. And then you can have the custom um, invoicing that you're already doing today, just add the cloud services into that um, and handle those things the way you want. So I think those are all really important. Um, you know, I, I talked about differentiating yourself by having different types of services and the flexibility around the costing and pricing and billing models. That's important. Handling various identity management schemes, you need to be flexible there and support the different ways that your clients want to work, whether it's Active Directory or some federation service. Um, getting handle both greenfield and brownfield, obviously, getting all, all the markets um, available to you. Um, and then look at all the different managed services you're offering, whether it's migrations or you know, run, actually running the brokerage as a managed service. That's another one we see that's a common model as well, where you're actually doing all this for the client. They're just accessing the applications. They don't have to think about any of it. That's a real value for them. Um, and obviously, you need to have all the financial tools to understand what your costs are, what you need to pay out. You need to be integrated to your know, payment gateways if you handle credit cards and tax systems. Our platform um, has done that with many currencies and many tax systems over just about every continent except maybe Antarctica. I don't think there's anybody there. Um, so that's it. Uh, with that, I'll hand it back to you, Ash, to, to have a couple of items. Thank you, Bob. Really awesome demo. Um, so let's go back here and talk a little bit about okay. So um, I think great demo. I think let's continue the discussion on this one. Um, I think we talked about the partners, uh, how they it's not some of the discussions Bob did about how we can add value, but I want to capture that a little bit more in depth here. And uh, so that's really the last topic today to cover in this uh, in five five minutes or so that we've got here. Um, so how do you move up the value chain for your customers, right? One thing is that you are offering them, reselling them Microsoft Cloud Services, which is great. Uh, you have an opportunity to monetize there. But how do how can I um, how can I differentiate? How can I uh, add more value to my customers' business so that I become indispensable? That's really the Discussion I want to have here. Um, and essentially, you know, I think one thing I want to kind of paradigm set here, just change that a little bit in, in the mindset here uh, for the partners is, you know, traditionally or at least what we're looking for typically is the greenfield um, kind of customer, somebody who has never deployed cloud but know that the cloud, uh, you know, the scale economies or the cloud economics makes sense, want to go there. Sure, there's definitely an opportunity there for the greenfield, but I think there is an opportunity right now today. With a lot of brownfield kind of customers, and what that means is, and, and Bob touched upon that a little bit, it's really the customers who have already adopted the cloud in some form or shape in some part of their business. It could be the cloud, uh, the shadow IT, as we call it. It could be somewhere out there where uh, you know they have been using these VMs out of Amazon or Azure, or they might be using Office 365 subscriptions, and it's not even in the knowledge of the IT. But now that IT is getting um, kind of visibility into that, maybe through the finance and other other departments, they want to have the control or governance over it. But there's no governance on it. I mean, who's responsible for the compliance for the company? Uh, traditionally, it's IT. Um, who's going to govern the policies for the for the company in terms of the the IT infrastructure? It's, it's IT, and you don't have that visibility because you have lost that control in the beginning. But that's why I think there's a brownfield opportunity where you can engage with your uh, with your customers who are already deploying cloud or using cloud. Could be for DevOps, could be for DevTest, could be for some 
Kunkur project, right? So whatever it might be, uh, you can start using um, a governance practice. You can start working with them to create a governance practice today, right? And and simple things such as Azure Cloud cost management, as an example, right? Uh, Bob talked about that. You know, you can just of saying cloud cost is an issue for a lot of these enterprises. Every customer out there, basically, you know, it looks very small, but it piles up very quickly, and it has to be managed, right? And that's why I think there's an opportunity right there. We talked about the tools, about the policy engines that we got. That's one option. Um, AD, ADFS integration, security is an issue. Right, you can talk about, uh, you know, do you want to put all of your, uh, you know, customer credit, your all your user, all your employees, all your, um, you know, profiles for all of your employees and the credentials all in the cloud? Sure, you should do that uh, if you're going to use ADFS or something like that or Okta for some reason. But if you want to really keep that in-house because you're not sure, you have compliance issues, you have um, other other restrictions, then you can certainly um, manage something through a proxy. Uh, as a as a managed services could do, uh, that could go and plug in into the into the ADFS that's on premises, but you know manage that for the cloud services that's been offered as a managed service. So something along what uh, Bob talked in the demo, um, you can create a just to just to begin with. Like I said, you don't have to wait for spinning up the VMs by the customer. If they have already spin it up, just bring them on, import it. Like Bob talked about again, you know you can get right away started for your governance by bringing the Office 365 subscriptions. Or the Azure VMs in that sense, right? Um, and last but not least, in this particular case, uh, for um, you know, kind of building more governance practices, MSP practice. We can talk about building monitoring, configuration analytics reports, SLA monitoring. All of this could be part of your governance governance practice for for your managed services business, right? Uh, and this is where I think you know Microsoft. You see the messaging clearly that you know we you resell but add value to your customers with managed services. So I mean, managed services hasn't just been a domain of a few companies. Now it's becoming epidemic at the partner level too, right? Um, and beyond that, moving up the value chain, what you can do is upsell opportunities. Because we have a catalog where the SKUs are all listed out there and there are different feature sets what you get or what you pay for, you can certainly have a customer calling saying, hey, I'm looking for this or this is not just working out for me. I need a bigger or this kind of feature set. You know, there's, there's an upsell opportunity right there, right? It's a catalog you have it. It's just a matter of talking to it and just moving it up, up the notch, right? Simple as that. Um, Cross-sale opportunities, we talked about, you know, just not offering them what Microsoft uh, services are out there, but offering anything and everything that is complementary, right, to those services. So be the complementary SaaS services or other cloud providers. There's a AWS plus one prediction right now, and you're already seeing that happening. Nobody just banking on one cloud provider yet. Um, XSAS as option might be future upcoming things. You may want to think about those and see how you can offer that to your customers. Um, just to recap here uh, on the upsell and cross-sell, this is the kind of um, the, the breadth of the portfolio of different SaaS services, IS services that we have already built into Jamcracker. And, and you can see that on the SaaS side, at the top cloud services catalog for SaaS offerings, there's apps that are all uh, in different verticals, right? You can talk about, for example, collaboration app like a WebEx, or a um, CRM app like Salesforce, or you can talk about communication app like uh, you know Skype for business, or you can talk about Google Apps. I mean. Maybe there's a lot of different varieties of apps out there. They're all being consumed on demand. And you, you can bundle them. You can sell them uh, through this catalog, through Jamcracker platform, because we have pre-built integrations with all these different um, um, kind of SaaS services. Same thing goes for, for IS, right? You can do that for also, you know, not just the public cloud options like Amazon and IBM SoftLayer or Google Cloud Platform. You can also do it for the private cloud, such as VMware OpenStack. I mean, you, can, you really want to offer a multi-cloud and a hybrid cloud, uh, you know, options to your customers and not just be stuck in one particular uh, domain. Right? That's really very important for your customers. 
Um, we're running out of time here. I know we're at the top of the hour, but I'm going to wrap up with a couple more slides here, and I'm going to talk about why managed services really is important. This is a survey that Gartner ran. Um, about 700 companies were surveyed, um, all sides of enterprises. And what they found out was enterprises were, uh, when it comes to cloud adoption, enterprises wanted to spend on a um, few things, and managed services happened to be uh, up on the chart at number three, with 40% of the customers saying we want to spend on managed services. Out of that 40%, 70% saying this is our first spend item. So just think about it, like managed services definitely is a, uh, is a viable business uh, opportunity that you, know, you should be kind of, you're kind of just taking advantage of. Uh, and what are the different managed services options? Uh, just on the I side of things, uh, this is a pretty busy slide. I apologize for that. But what I wanted to, to kind of quickly take away from it is there's ideas that you can look at and say, you know, just from the access management side of things or service management or service optimization uh, bucket, these are the different areas where you could create a package or managed services and offer it to your end customers, right? Um, identity platform integration is one thing of access management we talked about. We, got, we talked about, um, you know, just budgets and approval workflows. Like your, your customers want uh, some sort of budgets and approvals when, you know, the, those requests will be coming in to you as a managed services provider. You could, you could say granted based on whatever policies have been set by the, by the customer, end customer. Uh, just an example, right? Services management side of things, you can talk about analytics. You can talk about uh, a cataloging service there. Um, on service optimization, we talked about policy control, cost control, um, building ass stacks. Uh, we didn't touch upon that quite a lot, but essentially you can build specific uh, stacks of different applications as multi-tier applications that you can offer as a service, right, to your end customer. That could be a service optimization there. Uh, a number of opportunities. Uh, here's an example of, and we'll wrap it up in a couple of minutes. I apologize for running over time. Um, um, we can see, for example, that you can charge on a line-by-line uh, -line item now drilling down further from the earlier chart I showed. So you can say, okay, if you want to charge for compute just for provisioning, you can charge for virtual machine provisioning or container service if you want to do that, um, you know, things of that nature. You can charge them for whatever monthly rate is, you think is right and whatever it still is that you can guarantee, right, for this customer uh, for servicing those needs, right, for this request. Uh, storage, you can do that for backup restore along with storage, uh, also your uh, compute instances. Uh, you can do that for networking, if you're looking at, you know, building up the network or servicing any networking-related uh, um, service request, you can build a practice around that. Um, you know, and that is just something that I talked about with respect to configuration. There's monitoring tasks such as, you know, you can monitor the CPU utilization, the disk reads and writes, network I/O throughput, and all of that can be also built into your managed services practice. You can have a packaging done in a way that your customers really get value out of it. Um, and this is just the beginning. So I just want to talk about that quickly. That you know, you are just starting to see the cloud taking off with Azure. Uh, adding multiple uh, different uh, options, different new modules every day. Uh, AWS already out of the roof with respect to how many different modules they got with all different things. All of these are your opportunities as you start scaling once you have the foot in the door to kind of build up and grow from there. Right? Uh, same thing also applies for OpenStack and uh, other private clouds. So just a quick takeaway overall from what we learned today is, you know, the Microsoft CSV program is happening right now. There's momentum that we see in the market. Uh, there's customers who are already um, looking forward to CSPs, helping them out, and so this is your opportunity. And don't wait for the green field, go for the brown field if you have those opportunities available. Um, Jam Character Platform, we talked about how we unify the entire uh, life cycle of the Microsoft Cloud services, but also the non-Microsoft uh, services regarding the SaaS and IS uh, that we talked about. Um, you have opportunities to upsell, cross-sell, as well as to manage services with your customers, right? That will help you to maximize your revenue and profits further. 
and also add value to your um, customers' interest. Um, and if you need uh, any further help or insights into this presentation, please contact us um, at info at Jamcracker, and, uh, or you can go on our website. There's a form field. You can talk a little bit more about your specific needs. And uh, if you are interested in a virtual appliance of